0: Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we have a very special guest today. Aaron, I want you to talk about this. We've been teasing yeah. it for a while. We have been teasing it for a while.
1: Uh, he has agreed to come back on the podcast. Uh, we are bringing David Escoyer back. Yeah, so in the rejo- rejoining the podcast, uh, again, very gracious for him to offer to come on to the show and talk about Foundation Uh, so fascinating
2: uh welcome back to our podcast david s goyer thank you for having me and I, i will say it's um it's kind of you to say gracious but it's um i i think your podcast and some of the other podcasts that have sprung up are um that aren't necessarily exclusively doing foundation but are covering foundation um i enjoy it i enjoy I mean, some of it's self-serving being on your show, but some of it's just, it's interesting to me to hear these ecosystems that have, you know, sprung up around the show to hear people debating with passion, different theories, but also philosophy, sort of how one should approach science fiction or adapt fiction. And so it's, it's, it's interesting for me to listen to your show and some other shows, um uh as an interested party but also just as a fan
1: right i mean if there was a podcast about our podcast i would certainly listen to it because how could you not i mean oh, i don't yeah. know how long <laughs> i would listen to it because it might get a little too but like yeah i guess if they were digging the vibe i would probably be interested in what they had to say about it for sure so, but it's yeah.
2: okay it's also okay that that sometimes there are detractors right or that yeah it's, a, it's not you but have to like every single thing and it's I was just listening to another podcast about the show, and one one of the things that you cited as liking in this season, they didn't like. So, like, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, Yeah. you can't please
2: everyone. And I'm I'm curious, like,
0: one of the questions I had for you was going to be, how much do you listen to that stuff? How much do you let it influence you? How much do you just kind of say, well, you know, not everybody's going to like everything we do?
2: So. you Know, we definitely took in some of the feedback from season one uh, as we were. Uh, now season two had already largely been written, but but we modified some things afterwards. And and I thought there were some look, there were some criticisms that I felt we were going to get from the diehard book readers, no, just no matter what. And we were yeah. never going to be able to get away from that. I think there's some of that change with season two generally people seem more favorable but the diehard people they're like it's not the books it's not the books we're we're just never going to convert them we're never there's nothing you can do about that but uh you know then there were some i also think there's another bucket of of criticisms that were fair but were in my mind things sort of expositional pipe that we just had to lay no matter what, in in, order, in terms of like our larger plan, and we just had to kind of get through it. And and I thought there were some valid criticisms and and I thought, okay, does that track with what we're thinking? And can we improve upon that? Um, fair enough. But you also have to be careful, you can't go down a rabbit hole of, of uh, oh my God, they you know, they didn't like this accent or they didn't like it. You just can't go down that rabbit hole. The other thing that you have to keep in mind is that. There's the the people like your audience or the people that are on Reddit or listen to you know Pea Peppers that, that are that I love that are incredibly passionate about the show, but that's not the mainstream audience. That still doesn't represent the the, the majority of our audience. Mm-hmm. And so you have to like I don't know what percentage is sort of represented by your your audience or Pete peppers but that's it's 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 a subset of the bigger audience and so we're fanatics yeah we're the weirdos but you have (laughs) to keep both of those things in mind right and so um you have to try to appeal to both which is something that i'm familiar with in adapting things like batman or you know other things You know, from our conversations last season, you know, we know
1: that COVID was such a huge factor, not just for you, but for everybody trying to do any kind of filmmaking. Um, I was wondering if this, if things had gotten better this time around, Uh, because I know in passing, you know, when we were exchanging emails, setting this up, you mentioned uh, episode four would have been a a particularly frustrating uh, or challenging episode to make. Uh, I saw you, you know, I, I, was, I was curious, like, what were the challenges? Because episode four, I I quite enjoyed. What, what were the behind-the-scenes challenges
2: I, that made that I difficult? S- and you're not alone. I mean, people really liked episode four, which makes me really happy. It wasn't necessarily COVID. To answer your question, season two, ironically, we had way more cases of COVID amongst our cast and crew than we did in season one, because in season one, everyone was working in a bubble and like to start relaxing we things yeah when whereas two we were wearing masks on set but then everyone was going out and partying you know just and so <laughs> we had over a thousand cases and i think we 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 went over nearly a month for, uh in production because of covid stuff wow, but wow. um uh and we still had restrictions in terms of how many Uh, extras we could have, you know, in given places in season two. But um, there were a lot of behind-the-scenes issues relating to season four that required a lot of um, sort of spit and bailing wire, not all of which I can talk about. But um, Mm -hmm. we had to reshoot quite a bit of that episode. Uh, Then Now, the fact that people are enjoying it as much as they are makes me really happy you know it's all worth it yeah you know the audience the audience doesn't know what they don't know uh, <laughs> uh so
0: it's, and now um, you got, got you get yeah. another big challenge ahead of you i think for the next season presumably with the strike that's happening right now uh i can imagine <laughs> I, I joked on the last episode of our podcast that this might be the most fraught production in the history of Hollywood based on the the level of events
2: that are happening while you're trying yeah, to make the I, show, I, I, it's, it's had COVID. Had, a, look, a lot of other shows had COVID and dealt with the strikes. Oh, for sure. I, I think I think that what makes it more complicated is because we shoot in different countries and it's so ambitious. And um mm-hmm. but I'm just now I'm just used to it. It's like, well, what other <laughs> issue are we going to have
0: to deal with know. right uh maybe we should get into some of those uh things that you talked about with the theories that fans are coming up with um and the questions mm-hmm. that they have uh because i one of the biggest things that i've been wondering about with this show is the character demmerzel i have not yeah. read what the first book so i'm not familiar with her uh, from that source material and so i'm wondering does she have some kind of plan for the empire basically why was she not why does she not seem phased by the fact that day is trying to cut out the heart of empire which is the cleonic dynasty
2: well i'm walking a tightrope here in my answers because mm-hmm. um some uh, some of this will be answered by the end of the season okay uh, a great deal of it will be answered by the end of the season and some of it won't be answered uh until next season uh and i would say now season three has all been written so uh i think all of these questions relating to Demerzel and 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 how she's beholden to the three laws or not or Mm -hmm. or, you know what actions are permitted under her programming or not in relation are almost all of that will be answered by next season, but quite a bit will be answered even by the end of this season. Um I, and what I would say, and I've seen lots of different people debating about like what home, how can she, how can she permit this to happen or it, and it's, and it's a combination of how can she permit it to happen based on her stewardship of empire and how could she do this or permit this to happen based on the three laws now a lot of people are making various assumptions that the way and i'm not going to confirm or deny that the way that the three laws work in our show is exactly the same as written in the sort of caves of steel you know sure. irobot universe yeah yeah, yeah. Which, which is i think a you know that's a big assumption <laughs> uh, but that's not necessarily me saying they don't. It's just it's sure. that's a big assumption. Um, and 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 Asimov himself added laws. And I mean, the most obvious thing that I would say is you can reprogram a robot. Mm. Uh, true. So Very there's true. It, it's just it, it's just interesting to see people you know. Um, will they be satisfied with our answers we'll see but I, I i think we've figured out a way that everything makes sense you know but a lot of that will be answered at the end of the season that's very Is exciting
1: it, yeah it's interesting you mentioned the rules of robotics i i mm-hmm. gathered from other things that you had said previous that you didn't have you know i know i, I know you got the rights and foundation series and you don't have full access to the other catalog of azavov you know uh, but you mentioned, like in an interview on R slash Television, that you had you know, were able to make a deal with Fox somehow to maybe get a little bit of that stuff into Foundation. Can you talk about like the behind? Yeah, the scenes? are are you so, able to s- fully embrace those rules now? Or
2: yes. So so what happened when when we first embarked on this journey is is uh, the Asimov Estate created a document and said basically because because later in life in the sequels and prequels um Asimov fused retroactively the the foundation and iRobot universes and so some of it was blurry and some of it was messy and so we had this document that said these this stuff you can use exclusively no one else can touch it this stuff is fair game between you and or someone that owns uh in this case Fox the iRobot stuff and these are things you cannot do and so we had this sort of list and we were allowed to talk to use the laws. And the reason why we didn't talk about the laws in season one is it wasn't germane to the story yet. It just, whereas it starts to be germane this season and even later on in the season, you're actually going to hear some discussion on camera about the laws. Well, and then fair. it's very germane in season three. <clears throat> but we were not able to you know, Asimov retconned the Demerzel character to, to be the same as R. Daniil from the iRobot universe, the same robot th- through it all along. And we were not able to use the name R. Danil. We could sort of hint at that it was the same, but we couldn't use it. But it just so happens that I was producing a movie for Fox and I was on a Zoom with the head of Fox, who's a big sci-fi geek who loves the foundation show, and was just saying as an aside, oh, I like this, or when is season two coming out? And I said, hey, by the way, and, and I just I got asked ear him, ear. As a, yeah, a favor, would you let us, in a in in these sort of limited conditions, mention the name Art Daniel?" And he said, let me see if I can get that done for you. And he did. And it was just, oh. so it was cool.
1: I'm somewhat surprised that because uh, like that's um, you mentioned that in the 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 name R Daniel in the uh, uh, the that that the uh, television interview the R slash television interview I, I actually was somewhat surprised that you are comfortable revealing that. Um, I was in kind of a broader question for like these type
2: of uh, creator interviews. Why did I reveal that?
1: Yeah, like I was <laughs> curious, like what what why when, when you're making a decision what to keep up your sleeve, what to play close to your vest, and what to just flop out there. Uh what, what I what, I I I thought that was interesting to reveal because it means to, to me I get that you're up to something. If, if you're putting something that big on the table, it's like, oh, I wonder how as a storyteller he's he's leading
2: me to, to someplace. But I don't know. Well, I didn't here's the thing. For the for the hardcore fans, it's an interesting thing to to I think sometimes it's fun to just like turn over a tiny card even before it's um revealed in the show for people just to why not it's just fun because it doesn't Um, mean much to someone who isn't steeped in the lore. it's my point that's my point to 95% of the audience it's meaningless it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to them so I don't think broadly it really spoils anything if you you look at foundation you say oh we've already said she's whatever 18,000 years old or um, uh and so the idea that she could be known as another name isn't a crazy idea. You know, now that doesn't mean that we're going to show a bunch of scenes from My Robot. We can't. But uh and it, um anyway, it's I, I just felt like that was an, an instance of, you know, for the for the for the diehard fans, oh I can I can turn over that card. It's a nice little yeah. gift, you know.
0: I want to talk about some of the um, things that you reference in the show that are maybe more real world stuff or, uh, you know, maybe in some of the stuff from the source material, uh, they're fairly obscure things, you know, to do with mathematics and religion and uh, poetic phrases, things like that. Do you Mm -hmm. just kind of pull that stuff out of your own experience and knowledge uh, as a writing team and just kind of go with what? what you can pull or do you have a research team that goes out and you say well we need this tool narratively in
2: this moment go find us something uh how does that process work most of the time it's it's just me and the other writers pulling things out of our ass <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> well, pulling things <laughs> out that that are that we find interesting that we you know are all fairly well read and um sure. and uh you know but occasionally we'll run into a a plot situation where it's like, oh God, I wonder if there's any analog for this in uh, or antecedent for this in 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 history, mm-hmm. right? And um, and we may or may not kind of be aware of it. And, and um, we had dimly remembered we were, you know, some people were talking about about the relationship between Bell and Glawin this season and whether or not. Some people were crying foul on on oh my god in the military you, you would never be allowed to serve with like you know your husband or your wife, but even as we were building that relationship, a couple of, of the writers and I were dimly aware of like but 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 in ancient Greek history weren't there examples of this and and we couldn't remember exactly what it was so there was a happy confluence and like lo and behold there is it's that the, the and sort of military forces like the Sacred Band of Thieves, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, was an elite force of soldiers that were homosexual with 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 150 gay couples in them. And they were considered basically like the special forces of, you know, the army at the time. And so there was a historical context for this. And it was considered that that makeup would make the soldiers fight even harder than you know Uh in order to save the lives of their husbands, or you know whatever the version of that was at the time so i guess that's an example of of, and then reading more of that and we're like oh my god that fits so beautifully with bell and clayman's relationship and then leaning into that as we write the scenes does that make sense
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, it's like they said they say in a lot of war films you, you actually fight for the guy standing next to you in this case right, they're the actually fighting for the guy standing next
2: to you yeah, right yeah. so some people were like crying and falling saying oh my god that they, they, they would never do that and i'm like well actually there's a lot of historical instances where they have exactly that that's the thing if you and you talk about the grand scope of human history
1: and what what we've had or had if, it, it's very hard to make hard and fast rules of humans have never or humans would never because like right. especially if you get out of like europe in the last couple hundred years
2: completely it's wild man there's so Co- many different com- ways you can live on this planet completely and the other thing that i find interesting is I mean, look sometimes there's valid criticism for why in god's name would the character do this or that I'm like okay fair enough you don't buy that that's fine but i also think one of the other issues that that in real life people do things against their own interests all the time True. Like, all the time. I <laughs> like did it today. more the rule than the exception, right? <laughs> like, how um. many times have people got involved in, in relationships they shouldn't be involved in or, or, or whatever? Like, all the time they do things. Some people are saying, oh, my God, Dusk is being an idiot because he's, and I, you know, there could be more to the story because he's hanging out with Rue. Why is he being so naive? But then there were just the... You look at the news and and all of these heads of industry that have been taken down by these you know extramarital affairs, and you think, what a bunch of idiots! And it and it's just all you have to do is just look at the news today and see that people do this all the time. The arrogance of all these people.
0: I bet there's a fine line between making it too naturalistic, right, and saying, okay, totally. well, people make mistakes and do things against their interests, but you're also writing a narrative that
2: needs to be
0: cohesive and make sense, so.
2: Bad. Well, yeah, and then the other question is, does it fit with those characters? Right? One of the things that right. I loved about Breaking Bad was that, um, you know, Walt. There were a n- number of instances when Walt could have cut Jesse loose, right, throughout oh, yeah. the show, and where you're just like, any any thinking person would say, just cut this kid loose, and then, and again, he's acting against his own self interest. But obviously, he saw his son in Jesse. And what Mm -hmm. and that's when I think it's as a viewer, it's really interesting is when you see a character do something that doesn't make sense for the story, but makes sense character. And so we're trying to do things like that as well.
1: All things have a cycle. First, the podcast, then the ad. Math is never just numbers, and this isn't just a podcast. We're back with more foundation. You know, one of the strong points of this show has always been you've got like just an incredibly charismatic cast. You got Jared Harris, Lee Pace, Lee Harvey, Lou Bell. Uh this season we got a bunch of new players. You got Hober Mallow played by Dimitri Leonidas, uh, Brother Constant, Isabel De Laughlin. Uh, where do you keep finding these incredibly charismatic individuals to you know, because like I, I, I especially impressed with Mallow and Constant, because like I liked them from almost the moment I saw them. Like, yeah. and then and the other thing is like I believed the chemistry between them. Like when they, mm. you know, she kind of like came down the hots for Mallow, and like and and his pumping the brakes, like I that just worked. And it's got a, it's a lot of their performances. Where where do you find these people?
2: There are a lot of good actors out there. I In this case, these actors were not particularly well known to particularly to an American audience. And um, and so uh, but we read we have a great casting team um, uh, Lucinda and Natasha that have been on the show since the beginning. And I also brought them on my other show, Sandman. And um, they they have a sense for the kind of people I like. But we, you know, they pre read. Probably hundreds of actors for each of these roles. And then they send me the selects and there, we might've seen, I might've looked at 50 people reading, you know, for Hober. 60, not all of them. Wow. And then I, then I called in some of them. I asked if they'll reread. And then we ended up, I think I called in and, and worked with over zoom, maybe half a dozen. And then there were maybe when I saw Dimitri, I thought, oh my God, I this is the guy. But then, um, but then you do a chemistry read with some of these. Like in the case of of that, and I had a number of characters for uh, actresses in, in mind for Constant. And you do test deals. And so I think we had three actresses that we really liked for Constant. And then we had them read with three actors for ah. Hobart. And tests. see, yeah, and 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 you work a deal out ahead of time, and and you see who has chemistry, and and Demetri and Izzy just really had it chemistry, and it happened that they were, and sometimes it surprises you. Sometimes you'll have a front runner, and then they'll they'll weed against another front runner, and there's just no chemistry at all, mm-hmm. and it's this ineffable yeah. thing, and so that's hopefully that answers your question.
1: No, I was impressed by how like I I thought they'd bring you like three or four selections, but like sounds like you're you know like you're bringing 50-60. Hober's a big uh role, but but still like I'm I'm impressed to how how uh uh oh, early yeah. in the, the filter process you get involved.
2: Yeah, I but even small roles, um I, I mean I would be, yeah, well, even small roles I might see a dozen. I mean people with one line you know wow. is that part of the process you really enjoy like finding the, I, do. Just like, I do like i, I do like the person
1: i see yeah yeah and, that and then feel, how, what's that feel like when you see like the because per- you got to have in your mind's eye and then is it like i'm looking for that shape or is it just like somebody shows up and it completely just clicks like what's what's that feeling like when you like ah, i i i like this dimitri guy he's my hover like what's that feeling
2: like well first of all i do i do enjoy that part of the process a, gr- a great deal and i i happen to think I could toot my own horn. I, I'm good at casting. You know, I just have a, a good eye for, for people. Um, sometimes they're as you imagine, and sometimes they're completely different than you imagined. Uh, but but you like it. And so I will say that Izzy was a lot different than I had imagined. I mean, she always had the humor, but mm-hmm. but she is different, and I and I really liked it. Uh, as you get down to some of the smaller roles one line and the two line roles. There's also a, just an economic necessity, which is uh, sometimes if we're shooting at three or four different countries, you know, you can't afford to cast someone from England or someone from France and and fly them around right. to three different countries for just a character that shows up in two seasons and has three lines or something mm-hmm. like that. It's just mm-hmm. not economically viable. So we'll work with local casting. So we'll, we'll cast actors from Prague or from the Canary Islands. And sometimes they're amazing, and sometimes the pool is not particularly Mm -hmm. wide. And and it it is what it is, you know. uh, And we call them day players, and it's you know you're not necessarily going to get someone who's graduated from the Royal Shakespeare, uh, you know, Academy doing one line who happens to live in Prague. But which is not to say sometimes you get incredible actors there. And so it is. It is what it is. I want to talk a little bit about. The visuals
0: of this show because i was blown away by it in season one you guys clearly put so much care and effort into that um and season two has surprised me again because you've kind of stepped it up a notch and every time i think like well they've hit their high watermark here
2: for the visuals yeah the next scene comes along and blows me away again uh well and the crazy thing is the the biggest stuff hasn't even dropped in the first half of the season oh my god okay oh boy. <laughs> all right i mean well, in terms of visuals, I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, Uh, (laughs) but gone. So so one of those things is the jump ships. I think those are super cool. Um, And and I know you guys created one of those as a studio, as a model in the studio, actually built them physically. Yep. I was wondering how you decide what
2: to build physically versus what to do digitally. Um, First of all, that reminded me, I have to do a plug for my website, davidoscore.com, where I've been doing episode notes and i'm also bowing to pressure and in this month i'm going to start an instagram account which will have a lot of other behind the scenes photos and videos um that nice. have, okay. i haven't released yet um but <clears throat> we the the short answer is we try to build as much as humanly possible hmm. uh and uh because if we can build a lot i think it creates a better sense of verisimilitude it creates better a more immersive performances it's just it's hard if you're on an all digital set or a mostly digital set for people to, to know where to look or you know what to inhabit um and then we we like to try to save our visual effects for the big giant shots and not just um, you know, a digital set extension, you know, I have 50 shots of a digital set extension. We liked it. You know, we're very, very meticulous about we have big visual effects budget, but we're also, I think, much more meticulous and much more frugal with our dollars than I believe, almost every show out there. I mean, we, we get very, very grand, like you can afford, Five shots out the window of the beggar seeing this nebula in this scene. Don't stage everything right by the window. Let's let's <laughs> let, let you know, let's let's go through really the Yeah. Yeah. We're mm. very, very <laughs> specific. Uh, and then sometimes inevitably there are things we have cleanup that things happen that you have to fix that you hadn't planned on. Uh famously, like Don's uh, Cassian Cassie and Bilton's wig in season one looked <laughs> terrible and we spent four hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in wig fixes which is not how you want to be spending your visual effects budget no <laughs> but we, we try her. to build we try to build as much as possible and that's I think one of the things that makes us different than certainly most of the Star Wars shows and or does more of an approach like we do <laughs> and I I think that aesthetic I just prefer that aesthetic I don't know yeah, if it's accidentally but it
1: Andor's yeah. like one of the only Star Wars shows I'm really invested in too, because it right. does I love Andor.
2: I love so Andor. Good. And it, it, certainly in my household, it's, it's really the only show now that my kids and my wife are interested in. Wow. Uh, I want to keep it on science fiction
1: or the special effects of it all too. Cause I noticed that like um, you got all these ships that are jumping in space, but they all kind of do it a little bit different. Like the empire mm-hmm like rips a hole through time and space. I noticed a foundation ship, so like it's much more like a scalpel. And then it's we a, saw this... And, and, and it's a triangular
2: singularity as opposed to a circular singularity. Yeah. Our ships. And then yeah.
1: I, I saw the, the spacers, and they seem like they almost sublimate out of a singularity. It's like the yeah, ship's coming yeah. out and there's fog. And are, are, are we... Should we make inferences on the technical sophistication and efficiency and other things... Yeah, those factions is based on what their special effects look like yeah
2: absolutely part of it is yes there's now will we ever you know in this specifically get it maybe yes maybe no but i you try to do as much world building as you can and infer all sorts of things and so it's i think one should infer between those three factions that you just said uh listed yeah they're they're all folding through or jumping through space in, in different ways, uh, you know, with their own sort of take on it. Um, and what does that say about, you know, but I, I think the idea is empire sort of cutting through space, like, like a, like a big hatchet, you know, mm-hmm. whereas foundation are being much more surgical, much more precise. Interesting.
0: can i ask you a self-serving question real quick sure uh sure since the last time we talked in season one i've really gotten into scale modeling uh and i really i really just love the design of that jump ship and one of the things that we talked about with the expanse which is one of our other favorite sci-fi shows uh is they never quite got their merchandising game fully on point
2: i i so so you know, know where i'm going with it uh, yeah, yeah he's excited so, to talk about this, <laughs> Sky, right? skydance is the studio that adds the rice uh-huh. and then we make it for apple and i've been so they're in charge of the merchandise and i've been hammering them to um to you know start you know feeding the um merchandise line because a show like this is built for merchandise so yeah. um we have a big Art of foundation coffee table book that's coming out from Titan Books in October. That's actually super beautiful. Lots of interviews and, and it's nice. gorgeous. can um, And then they're just finalizing a couple of deals. And I believe diecast models. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if they're resin models, but some ship models is part of that deal for one of these things. And then one of the things that happens is is with the first season of a show is a lot of these independent contractors don't want to do it because they're not sure how long uh, the show's going to have life or rights right the longer a show's on the more that feels the more profitable it is and so uh and then they wanted to see how season two was doing but to answer your question hopefully we can make some announcements soon about um just the beginnings of some merchandise like that and and hopefully now that season two is performing so well, we'll see more of that more more deals made in the next sort of six months but look i I, I want that stuff as well yeah, right we're all we're all
0: geeks and nerds and we love that stuff I mean yeah. t-shirts and models and all kinds of stuff yeah, I'm wearing a crew shirt a foundation cruise shirt right now nice uh, nice and I'm like, why aren't we producing these
1: uh-huh uh, in in terms of physical props is the prime radiant as cool to hold as it looks? Because, oh, you do not. You do not have oh, it in your office.
0: No, Son of a
1: bitch. On.
2: Look at this guy. No. Oh my God, oh my, it's right it there. Is, it is resin filled, isn't it? Now, yes. No, but and it's very detailed. I don't know if you can.
1: Dude, we, so I, one of my favorite things to do is watch Adam Savage, like on YouTube, he builds these prop yeah. builds. And like, I keep help, it's like, build the prime radiant, build the prime radiant, because mm-hmm. like, it, it just looks like it's this fascinating Now, now, of
2: filigree. It, would, it is. And now I'll tell you what's interesting about it is. Uh, this is a mark 1 so this is from season 1 and it's cool but the resin's a little milky and yeah. we we perfected i don't know exactly what they did but they changed up the way they made them for season 2 and they're even more transparent and, and delicate so i need to i need uh, to give me a mark a mark 2 1
1: yeah it just seems like oh, it's just yeah. like a nice solid like you know and it, it does what you know it's it's,
2: it's, it's very solid yeah but there's only <laughs> awesome. there's out in the wild there's i have one i gave one to matt churness who's sort of the head of tv for apple um, um i had one made for robin asimov you know i, ex- oh, that's I cool. think there, i think there's only three of these in the wild right now dang you need to do some kind of limited edition I, oh right, no i agree
1: i agree there's no yeah, reason yeah. why these you know makes a heck of a paperweight i'm sure <laughs> yeah uh-huh. uh did you have another? Because I we have some listener questions, too, I wanted to pass on. Please, and, please, uh What about you? Did you have another one for... Uh, I, you?
0: I had one that's very specific to an episode Um, talking about, like, Serith and Rue and how much they knew kind of going into this situation with uh, with Empire, if, if they kind of knew a lot about the, you know, the Memoriam and how the whole, like, cloning and memory backup process worked. Like, how much homework had they done ahead of time? Because some of it feels very improvisational and some of it feels very planned out
2: now I'm going to sound like a broken record because some of this is going to be answered later but I will say this they they did not know about the memoriam uh they okay. did know they did know about the assassination attempt they did know about the fact that the dynasty had been sort of tainted and and you know they sort of Um. Uh, the genetic drift. They didn't know about that. Uh, they, they have a plan, but some of it is improvisation and some of it is, is Sarah just sowing chaos and, and in an immature way that could lose her head, (laughs) you know, there's, they're smart and they're definitely playing the various, you know, factions but the question is how smart are they and and you know is 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 she going to get herself killed
0: sure it's my question for sure yeah all right i have one more
1: question before we move on to the read the questions from the listeners uh when we were Corresponding very early in the season, uh, you mentioned that you listened to some of the podcasts and you, you said, that you know we were right on in some things, but we were way off in some well, of them. Well, I'm inferences. not going to tell you what
2: you're right on, but go
1: on. Oh, I know, right? But I do want to know is there one particular like, did you is, what is the dumbest inference that we've made on this show that we've been <laughs> h- hilariously wrong about? And be as mean as you want because I, you know, I mean, I'm trying to remember because i i I've. I've, I've uh-huh okay our podcasts are forgettable that's one problem yeah, no 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 that's okay. the yeah. dumbest. That's... i i i <laughs> man i might have to, you listen to, so, many, to, sure. listen to so many i'm sure uh yeah, i was wanting some heat i was wanting some like you i'll dumb. give you some heat but no, no 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 no. but it's it's
2: look i think you're absolutely i've heard you guys say and, and, and forgive me if i'm paraphrasing but that you know a lot of the times on this show and an insert isn't an, an insert meaning like if we're, if we're pushing in really closely on something it's it's letting you as the audience know that that's something you should pay attention to right mm-hmm. and so i would generally as a rule of thumb would say is if if you know if i got this mouse and and there's just a shot of this and we're and the camera's dialing in on it Mm-hmm. that's definitely a, you know, watch this space here, you know, later on. And there's, but sometimes everyone's cigars cigar. and cigar. And I think what happens with this kind of show, and we are quite precise and deliberate, and we are sort of putting in these Easter eggs and things like that, is that sometimes people see things that aren't there, right? Mm-hmm. And so in general, when I listened to your podcast, I would say like, 80 percent of the stuff that you guys pick out was there and was deliberate. and then a few things just aren't or you know it's just you're making an association that it never occurred to us but that's also because we we sort of trained the audience to think about the show in that way right so inevitably you know um you're going to see some association that isn't there right or or some some theory. I'll try, I'll try to see if I can remember a specific theory you came up with that, that was just ridiculous. Oh, I, I remember you guys were talking about back and forth about um, the halo jump that bell and Glavine did. Oh yeah. Um, yes. And, and, you know, whether the they're in sink or the atmosphere and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. But the other, the thing that you guys didn't mention at all is there are these massive electrical storms in the atmosphere in the upper atmosphere that so putting aside even them heating up or reaching whether or not they're reaching terminal velocity or whether or not there's friction they also have to protect themselves from that and so i thought that was kind of obvious in (laughs) in some of the (laughs) shots but like you guys didn't even that was just a whole
1: factor that you guys didn't even mention so if you can take a lightning strike you can probably deal with a little bit of atmospheric friction kind of yeah
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um. <laughs> but funny, I, I'll try. I'll yeah. see if I. will see if I can remember. There, were, there was something else that you guys were talking about, and I was like, "You, oh, shoot, what was it?" <laughs> someone these guys mentioned they're trying so, to skate I, up. I, I skate it, up hill. These guys. Yeah. Someone mentioned. Um. Uh. Can't remember if it was you or someone else like the in episode four and five. I think. Their Sarah uh, and company are like out in the gardens, and it's like, oh, you know, are they being incautious in, in talking about these things, you know, mm-hmm. with Markley and whomever? But, but, you know, and, and what can Empire spy on him? And, and, and in the first scene, I believe Sarah says oh you can speak freely we have a field my handman has a field disruptor here and so it's like right there are, mm. there are things like yeah. that where it's like no we we covered that in the yeah, scene, yeah, yeah in dialogue you know mm-hmm. right so it's just tough to remember that at the moment you know it's fine
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should get to the questions from readers then. please yeah 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 um yeah you, you i think you got the first one Jim. uh-oh our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift we'll be right back The algorithm says this podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. All right, yeah, let's uh, start with Brett from Honolulu. Says, question for Mr. Goyer. How exactly does the genetic drift work? They're derived from the first Cleon. How do they end up being different? Is the first Cleon's DNA changing constantly? Or is there some other mechanism for the cloning process uh, for each new brother Dawn?
2: Without going into a whole rabbit hole of epigenetics, um, I, I think that they they tainted the original Cleon, And so uh, the way to think about it is you, they went in and did some somehow through, you know, far future science, did some, managed to probably introduce a virus or something like that, that gene edited, the not only the Prince, but that progressive like basically every time you copy it, the gene editing gets worse. So they 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 introduced, if you will, a kind of genetic virus that hmm. that okay. is getting sort of more progressively more off off the um to north, if that makes sense. And that was all yeah, part of the
1: attack. That was all part of the attack on the empire late last season. Yeah. I think some people miss the fact that like the uh the original Cleon was affected too.
2: Like he got yeah, they, they somehow they attacked and Say that, or they the surmise they surmise that. that mm-hmm. I believe on camera. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I think some people are also like, because uh, Day destroys the Cleon dis- the display. He doesn't
2: destroy. He broke
1: the glass,
2: and so that's what I've been think, repaired now. What I think happened after that moment is I think that Day was put down by uh, Demerzel. Ah, uh, okay. Because that would not have been tolerated, you know? Right. And it wouldn't be little... the first uh, Empire yeah.
0: he's put down either, so...
1: Yeah. It's fascinating, because yeah, we were we were talking about, like, when they went to talk to the Cleon, and like, well, why didn't they see this? Why didn't they say it? But, like, it's a real chess Oh, that master. was one and they that you didn't it, mention. They it's say... A game
2: that... Yes, yes, but that was one you didn't mention. You were like, oh, why didn't they say that we'd been tampered with, right, to him? Yeah. And he said... And I believe Don, I'm paraphrasing, says something like, "Should we mention this?" And they'll does drop absolutely ceiling. not. They'll drop yeah. the ceiling on us. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll yeah, be, yeah. They'll kill us instantly. Like yeah. you can't say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think I, I think we, we got do that by meaculpa. the end of that 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 scene. Uh-huh. But yeah, 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 that was something we. <laughs> but it's 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 a it's a real like game of chicken. Like, what do you reveal to this guy who might drop the ceiling on us if he doesn't like? Because yeah, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, like why is Dave doing this? Why is Dave to but like, yeah, you don't you don't want to make it seem like the rails are too far off or something bad like happened to you.
2: Yeah, it's a dance. I I do think for some people have wondered whether or not th- that shade of Clan the First uh, is an AI, and I do not think he is. I think he's an interface of sort of can he, basically a chat. G- GPD, but without sort of self awareness. GPD. Hmm. Okay. Rather.
1: uh Joseph says say you're a believer in luminism and you attempt, you decide to attempt to walk the spiral and you survive. Mm-hmm. You make it to the cave. You take your magical bubble bath. If you're lucky, you get your vision. And then what? Do you turn around and walk the entire way back? Is there a hidden door in the cave? Do they send a life flight helicopter? Inquiring minds want to know.
2: I think they come get you. I come think they have a the way of you knowing. Know. Yeah. God, the goddess lets them know, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: There Foundation. you go. Cyrus. Uh, the universe of foundationist technology offers characters the ability to time travel into the future centuries on, uh, on end via the means of cloning, cryosleep, and as of episode three, what appears to be a form of resurrection, Harry's new body. Uh, these are powerful tools for a writer to use in their plot as a writer how do you balance the use of these tools with the emotional stakes for the characters do you ever worry that these are if these are overused it may diminish the emotional impact of their lives
2: yes all the time we debate that all the time in the writer's room is you know what do we feel we can tolerate in our world building? Uh, what do we feel we can is is are we jumping the shark? Is it a cheat? Are we diminishing the value of it, this death or not? And I think, you know, one of the ways, and, and that is such a subjective call, right? And they're so hard to know what the broader audience will tolerate or what they won't. You're guessing. And so that's, we debate, we debate it all the time. Some of it's necessity, right? We, we, there are certain, we have deals with certain actors where there's a, um, and certainly Apple, and I think a lot of the audience want most of these characters, some of these core characters to be in, in as many seasons as possible. So we have to figure out creative ways to time travel as it were. Um, but then you, you also want to be able to introduce peril uh and the idea that if it's a series regular doesn't mean that oh i can't remember for the phrase uh that that they've got plot armor right Mm -hmm. so uh so sometimes we kill characters and and um we think about it all the time and then and then you know for instance if we brought harry back well could we do that with three other characters i would say no you know, people would just start rolling their eyes. And so we think about that a lot and we thought about different ways to bring them forward or create continuity. But um, without, well, no, I'm not going to say it. We can talk about it. I, I'm, I, I, I'm happy to come back at the end of the season. Uh, the right. Question. Do you have any,
0: like, guidelines like oh we can always only have x number of Harry's right because you're, you're bringing back Harry a couple of times now so any like hard and fast rules or is it just gut feel
2: no no it's just gut feel I mean there are two that we know of and the question is could there be another one out there um and this is not me uh, I'm neither confirming or denying like could if the show I think if we introduce personally, like definitively a third Harry this season, that would kind of be sharp jumpy. Mm-hmm. But if the show went six or seven seasons, could we possibly introduce a third one? I think maybe the show could sustain it without jumping as sh- more than that. Uh, it would get ridiculous. And so it's it's sure, again we just have sure. to like you know and how many times can a character come back from the dead or not come back? The nice thing about the Clans is that's just part of the conceit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm uh we can do that as many times as we want yeah
1: that's and it always feels like there's a little reshuffling like this day seems like you know like the preview the, the, the this dust seemed like he was a really lackadaisical day and let Dimmerzel run things they, this uh, day seems like
2: he's a bit of a mama's boy yeah I mean, we, yeah I mean, we write character biographies for season two and we did it for season three again it's hasn't been fully greenlit but but we've written them and so we wrote character biographies for the Cleons and like how are these Cleons different from their predecessors and then we build those out with the actors and so very much by design like these Cleons are meant to be different characters and and that I think is part of the fun and one of the you know coolest things that we stumbled into in in terms of our you know own invention of the show
0: yeah I, I think that's immensely fun and I'm curious you know di- disregarding like whether or not this be you know a part of the plot or whatever do you have a personal desire to see the kleons really degrade like, like how far yeah. down that rabbit yeah. hole are you willing to go or or would you I, like to go personally i because oh, i would
2: far. love to see it <laughs> yeah Yo, me no no i the, the intention i'm i really hope everyone gets to see season three because those kleons are <laughs> oh man
1: care. yeah we're always yeah, like, dude. that's all, one of ours. we're always like, so like, are we going to end up with uh, Salvar and Gale getting into cryopods at the end of the season? And is every new season going to be like Lee pace with a hunch or, you know, right. uh-huh. uh, yeah, Terrence, he's got the, he's got three eyes now. It's like, where, how,
2: how far are we drifting? Well, I would say we can't, we can't do the same thing every season. Right. So, we, so far we've sure. only done one, yeah. a, another new season, but I yeah. would say if we're still playing the same tricks still around for season six or season seven and we're still doing the same thing it, that would just be boring yeah
1: yeah yeah uh, I'd stole your question do you want to, to
0: get the yeah get the I'll, next um, one? I'll read James's question here uh yeah. he asked can you give us a little more information on how well Foundation is doing in terms of ratings and reception so he,
1: the reason he's gripped up he's like he's he keeps saying if we're renewed and should we get this in you know obviously he's uh yeah. he's concerned
0: but it sounds well, like you wrote season three already.
2: So you guys are yeah, but there's a big there's a big difference between them green lighting a writer's room for a season three and X amount of millions of dollars that that
1: costs. A couple, couple more zeros and commas yeah, on Yeah. The other yeah. Side.
2: So <laughs> uh um so interestingly enough, I am doing a zoom with Apple tomorrow about an overview of the performance of season two. They tend to wait at least 30 days, maybe 35 hmm. days, because it's one thing to see how it premiered, but they're really interested in what the drop-off is, you know, and so they tend to wait at least through episode four. I do know, anecdotally, it's 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 big. I mean, it's, it's doing well for them, and it's consistently, since it's dropped, been in the top three, apple and usually when the new episode comes out it bumps back up to episode one which Mm -hmm. anecdotally tells me that there hasn't been a big fall off you know because a lot of people will tune into a first episode and then they they might they might depart but um it's doing it's doing well i'm i'm pretty bullish on a third and even a fourth season right now um and then beyond that who knows we have to see like it, the audience is definitely built from season one to season two oh, without question and so yeah, i think the sentiment has too for for sure i mean the rotten tomatoes that the reviews have been beyond my wildest expectations and and just just the chat on the internet is I, I just have more people mentioning it to me that aren't involved in in film or tv and so the audience has definitely grown i don't know exactly how much it's grown but it's it's definitely grown and they seem quite happy with it. So, you know, I don't know, if we talk again in five weeks, I might know it a little more. They're always a little, they, don't, they never tell you exactly what the numbers are with these. <laughs> sure. It's part, it's, part of, it's part of the issue with the stripe right now. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, James also has a couple other questions here. He says, can you say more about a potential Demerzel spinoff and your ability to mention the three laws, which we kind of covered a little bit the spin um, spinoff—I hadn't even heard
1: that. Is that something you had? Well, we
2: talked about
1: one of those cards you're revealing. <laughs>
2: well, we, at one point we had, you know, we've been sort of teasing the Robot Wars, and you'll you'll learn a tiny bit more about it in the second half of the season, and and then a bit more about it in season three. And if the show goes on long enough, it it, it is it it is a story that I'd like to properly tell. And so the question is. I guess it depends really on if the if the show keeps growing, right? If 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 we grew from season one to season two, and then it grows to season three and season four, and then there's an appetite for it, do we do we do like a six episode Robot Wars mini that drops in between mm-hmm. seasons? It's a completely separate thing, or mm-hmm. do we so, tell that it's like a beer story within a season, flashing oh back to it? I would I I would love to tell that story it's just a question of and and then since Demersel is so old she would be a character in that
0: uh-huh
2: so it's, it's not exactly your, like would be your house of dragon and be more of like a interstitial project or or a yeah okay well or or it would be like it's house of dragon happened while game of thrones was running right yeah you know which would be interesting except that you would have a character that was in both because she's that old or right. it's that old. They are that old. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then James's final question here. He, he's talking about how uh, Lee Pace is portraying a very different uh, day in this season mm-hmm. than he did in the first season. Um, is that is that change in presence due mostly to acting, or are you shooting him differently, lighting him differently? What's the... How do you view, I guess, the change in him on screen? Uh, it's...
2: We wrote him differently to be Uh and then it's a collaboration with lee in terms of building out the character and what's on the page and and he's obviously performing it differently wardrobe is different um and all the above he's wearing an earring this time so i i think an interesting way to think about his wardrobe and his look is he's 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 starting to individuate a bit mm. more. And 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 that's feathers with his other clone brothers. But obviously he's trying to individuate in all sorts of different ways. And we never well, I can't completely reveal this, but well, I guess I can. The, I think in episode three, and then you'll see it in later episodes, he's wearing a breastplate that's totally different than the breastplate from season one. And that Breastplate is from, well, he's wearing two pieces of clothing from the parents of Cleon the First that he's, that are literally, and we've never said it, but you'll, you'll, you might see the, you might see the parents of Cleon the First and if viewers are paying special attention, what he's done is if you imagine those articles of clothing were in a museum, he's taken them and said, I'm physically going to wear them. And uh, you know, uh, again, I can't be clean on the first, but I can be clean on the last. Gotcha. Is that is this kind of
0: a reaction to the way that dusk, the the, the current brother dusk had like lived his life, where he didn't make a mark. He was talking about, you know, yeah. He he just kind of the mission of day was like, like disgusted. I can't remember the exact word he used yeah. about like how
1: he was disappointed in how he he went about. Yeah, I think I
2: think this day as a when he was younger, saw dusk when he was day and just thought, Oh, you kind of disgust me and you're yeah. a fuck up and you're lazy and, and I'm gonna make my mark by being the opposite of you. I'm gonna be relevant. But he's also more immature and insecure yeah than not the previous days. Yeah, you, you know.
0: Mm-hmm
1: um then so like that's all of the structured questions we got i did want to because you've had you know i know i don't i'm not sure exactly what you're allowed to talk about and stuff and promote and all that but like you've had a lot I'll, i will make some observations as a private citizen got a lot of success recently foundation i really enjoyed sandman over the winter mm-hmm. uh great great work there are you tease something are, are that you got another maybe licensed uh work that you're adapting or something that you're particularly excited about that, that you weren't ready to talk about I think five weeks ago? Is it uh what's what's I've next got, for you? Um
2: what's, what's next exciting, for me? What are you excited yeah. about? Well uh my producing partner and I produced a a period uh prequel to the Omen that takes place in the 70s in Rome that was shot in Rome. It's fantastic with Fox and it looks like Originally, that was going to come out on Hulu, but not be a theatrical. And that's um, that's a really neat if, for fans of like Don't Look Now or something like that. It's 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 very cool if you're into that sort of 70s horror. Uh, and so we have to do about a week of reshoots, and so we're waiting on the, the obviously the strike the strikes to end. Uh, so I don't know exactly when that's going to come out. Um, I'm working on a adaptation. Of the Eternal Champion Moorcock books with Dana Jack, one of the writers from uh foundation. No idea if that'll come to light. Obviously, work has stopped on that, but we were working on it prior to the strike in the background. But there's another project that will be announced um when the strike's over that is based on a big piece of IP that that uh looks to be greenlit that is should be exciting to some of your listeners um but i can't uh, say i can't say what it is yeah yeah. damn it uh you
1: do have the websites at davidesquire.com.
2: Davidesquire.com and there will be uh in the instagram coming out yeah and again i checked that out the production
1: value on your website is sky high it looks amazing it's got tons of great info like i mentioned on twitter when i was talking about it, it said literally that was my first kind of like test it's like i'm gonna click on like three things and then like within that i'd already learned like one or two new things i'm like that's yeah that's
2: some pretty good behind the scenes stuff i've so, been i've been letting it go fallow for a bunch of years and then i finally realized oh i'm because I'm, i hadn't i'm not on social media either although i might be dragged kicking and screaming into instagram uh and um so i'm trying to make it Interesting and a and a resource and not just purely promotional, you know. But put some things in there that people can't get anywhere else. I'm I'm thought. also hoping I'm 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 trying to get Apple to a release a couple of scenes that were cut from like season two, uh, mm-hmm. which I think would be fun, but. There's some other scenes that we wrote that we never filmed that i was going to release the script pages for those uh on my website too they're just just interesting to see that's cool things. that's like yeah. after
1: seasons it's going to happen or yeah, like a- yeah
2: okay cool it, exactly exactly it, it would have it would have to be after season and and you know there's a couple of scenes in particular that we we just had to cut time and budget that we didn't never end up filming but are really cool scenes and it, it would just be interesting for people read those and um check them out all right well
1: davidesquire.com's the website check it out if you want more behind the scenes details on foundation all the stuff that uh david's working on uh you have indicated on this podcast that you'd be uh willing to come back towards the end of the season or maybe at the end of the season to
2: yeah I wrap think, up I think, with us yeah i think we should we did last season well let's do it again that's that would be fun yeah uh
1: so again i appreciate so much for you stopping by it's a pleasure as it was uh the last season and uh congratulations on the midpoint of foundation and i uh, can't wait to see you e stick the landing in a couple of weeks
2: i i feel pretty bullish about about the landing yeah. of season two well, you yeah
1: see, you I see me, I, i'm getting that from your energy you're feeling you, you got uh, you, you got uh, the tailwind uh yeah I, I i'm yeah. i'm
2: feeling i'm feeling pretty good so we'll see. Right. We'll see if you guys agree. So
1: all right, and and definitely think about the time we made the biggest stupidest error I will. on our podcast. I, I'm, I I will. I'm wanting, I'm wanting that feedback. <laughs> all right. All right, David Here. Boyer, thanks for coming on our show. Appreciate thank it. Thank so you much. so much, guy. All right. Bye. And with that goodbye said, that's going to do it for our foundation podcast for this week. I think we've done enough foundation coverage this week. Felt like we got the, the anonymous four four-ish hours of it. Mm-hmm. Uh if you would like, it's not it's not your last opportunity, as we mentioned, to to uh, get a question to to Mr. Goyer. Uh if you would like to send feedback to foundation at baldmove.com. Uh if, especially if you want it to attract Goyer's attention, make sure you put that name in the subject line because you know, if you send me something this week, I'm compiling four weeks from now, it's gonna be very hard to find that. So just throw Goyer in the subject line, helps me find it foundation of bald if you want to find out what else we're doing on social media or uh, i'm sorry on our podcast you can follow us on almost every social media at baldmove. except tiktok we're at baldest move there finally if you appreciate what we do here at baldmove, you want even more content and you're tired of listening to ads support.baldmove.com is how you get all those things answered fulfilled uh and enter a whole new world of bald move bald movemanship. support.baldmove.com Again, that's going to do it for this this week. Until next episode, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy that podcast.